0: Hallelujah, Christ is risen. Glory is risen. Hallelujah. Gone fishing. Once upon a time, people could get away with that. I think I almost got away with that this morning when I was a few minutes late, and the sign must have said gone fishing. But at the same time, there was a time in proverbial sleepy little towns where you would see a sign up on a place of business says gone fishing of course that meant to the average person eh, he deserved a day off to go fishing. I think you understand in the age in which we live today I mean if you sent a text message to somebody and they didn't respond in 18 and a half seconds but eventually it said gone fishing you would not be impressed. We live in an age today where people want answers to every question right now, and why did it take you so long to get back to me? It's a very odd set of circumstances because there isn't really any time any longer for people to just enjoy what's around them. Now, for example, when people tell me they're going fishing, I don't know anyone who says because I have no food to eat. The vast majority of people who go fishing do it in a recreational way. But I need to tell you, I'm not a good fisherman. I mean, I really am not. I get out in a boat and I sit there for a while and it's lovely, I put the hook in the water, I have a job, I put the hook in the water, the fish's job is to jump on the hook. But If he doesn't jump on the hook, he's not doing his job because I'm doing my job. So I'm not a good fisherman. And I have to say, as I go back and I look carefully at the apostles, They must have been remarkable fishermen, but what is in the gospel for today is absolutely extraordinary because it tells us more than you can even imagine. For example, the one thing is some of you may know that on rare occasion we call last Sunday, low Sunday, I refuse to do that because people might decide that they ought to live into it but it's traditionally among us called Thomas Sunday or St. Thomas Sunday, because almost invariably the gospel for that Sunday has been St. Thomas finally being able to discover Jesus whom he had not seen before. And you remember, the reason why Thomas got into trouble is he didn't go to church that Sunday. I mean, you understand that, right? If he'd gone to church that Sunday, he would have known all about what had happened. And it's like people occasionally in the church have said to me, did anything special happen on Sunday? Um, well, let's see. How about the gospel being preached and Jesus giving bread and wine, which is his body and blood? How's that for special? That's special. That's what happens every Sunday. And when people miss that, they miss something remarkable. So what St. Thomas had done is St. Thomas had thought that he had a right to handle his pain and sorrow and loss on his own. He did it apart from the community. But what we've discovered is going on in today's gospel is apparently Thomas had been restored to the community. How do you know that? Because it says he was present at this third post-resurrection appearance. So that means everything must have been resolved in terms of his relationship not only with his brother apostles, but also, more importantly, with Jesus. And there he was. Now, of course, it also tells us very clearly what time they went fishing, doesn't it? Do you find that? Well, at the end it says that Jesus cooked a barbecue breakfast for them. So, and they had just come in, so that makes it clear that they were like most Galilean fishermen. They went fishing at night. And they were tired, and they were frustrated, and they didn't know exactly what to do, and almost to placate, or pacify at least, follow the directions to throw the net down on the one side. Now, I need to explain to you where this takes place. I know it's terribly confusing. Just when children get to the point in their lives where they can say, I know where the Sea of Galilee is, somebody says, how about the Sea of Tiberias? Which point we have to say, "Uh, same thing, same place. There are actually four different names for that sea. And sometimes you can actually determine where um, the specific point is by the way in which it is named or called at that time. So for example, where this actually takes place is at a place that is today called called Tabgah. There's several really important things that take place in Tabgah. One is the multiplication of loaves and fishes, which is about, let's see, about 900 feet that direction, if I'm standing in Tabgah for the gospel for today. And right behind me, up on the hill, is where the um, Jesus speaks to the multitudes, where the, the... Sermon occurs, Sermon on the Mount. So it's compact territory there. But here they are in Tabgah, and where I would be standing right now with you is at a church looking out into the Sea of Tiberias called the Primacy of Peter. Now you may say, what in the world does the Primacy of Peter have with today's gospel? And I would say very astute on your part to notice that. And a question, It's called the primacy of Peter because at this time, you also note that it gets to the point where the number three comes up again as it relates to St. Peter. When's the first time the number three comes to your mind as it relates to St. Peter? Do you remember? That's right, three times. He denies even knowing Jesus in spite of his accent. And now then, we go here for three more times that we have in a follow-up, and it's three times that Jesus looks at Peter and he says, do you love me? Do you love me? So here's Jesus making this important appearance. This church where I'm standing is called the primacy of Peter because approximately where Jesus feeds them in the gospel for today is also where he asks Peter, do you love me? And if you would go inside this little church, you'll discover that it's very odd because it is built over top of rocks. So you have to ask yourself, why would there be a church built over top of rocks? Well, on one hand, it would be difficult in the Holy Land not to build something over rocks. But the second thing is, that's where we believe that he actually served the meal, where he cooked the fish. And so it's a very special place. But now we're ready for the mystery. You ready? They caught 153 fish. Now, just between you and me, you see St. Peter going one, two, three, Do you see him doing that? I don't think so. Does that mean that somehow the the treasure of the group's job was to be able to count the number of fish and then put the word out? I don't think so. That's because, by and large, most people back then understood that there were 153 species of fish. So why in the world would that number 153 be there? What is the significance of this? Well, I think it will help you and me out immensely to ponder this. Jesus says, cast your net. They do. He determines the fish that goes in the net, not them. And in the end, what he's really saying to them is it's not your business to figure out which fish get into this net. That's my job. You fish, I'll take care of the rest. Think about that for just a moment. I remember when I was uh, a boy, I was somewhat taken aback by church signs in all of our parishes that would say, the church welcomes you. I thought that was good to know that everybody was welcome. But those of you who know me will know that I've spent most of my ministry ministering with the unemployed, with destitute people, with the homeless. Most of my ministry has been involved in dealing in places that are oftentimes difficult. And I remember one time one of my people saying they loved that sign so much, but they had to confess they could be inside a church for five minutes and know whether that sign was applying to them or not. In five minutes, it didn't take them long to figure out whether they were welcomed or unwelcomed. Why? Well, oftentimes what we do is we get involved in the Lord's work of deciding which fish ought to jump into the net. And that's not our job. That's God's job. He puts the fish into the net. We're supposed to fish. And that means that you and I may be occasionally surprised by some of the fish that get into the net. Now, one of the other things that you'll notice with 153 fish is there's no mention in there of a scale of which fish were the best fish and which fish were at the bottom of the list. All these fish were equal. At least 153 species were seen to be equal in one sense. And so I remember not too many years ago, a priest said to me, Bishop, do you see our new sign? And sure enough, there was the sign of my youth. The church welcomes you. And I said, Father, I love your new sign. It's really nice. I hope it helps. But I've always wondered when I see that sign, if we could have a second sign that would be erected next to it. Oh, tell us, Bishop, what would you like? I said, well, if I were erecting a sign, it would say, we just don't know what to do with you once we've welcomed you. And it doesn't take long in a church to figure out if you're welcome and incorporated, or just welcomed. And part of the task of the church is incorporation. It is to become a part of the body of Christ. And one of the marvels about all of us gathering together across the globe at this hour is that very infrequently do we have people concerned about whether it's the right fish or not in the net because we're all fish. When we're all gathered together in this way, here we are. Here we are all together, no matter what our backgrounds, no matter what's going on, no matter what. And when we come forward to receive the blessed sacrament, there is an inspectional section for certain types of fish. We all come forward so that we can all receive the body and blood of Christ because we are all children of God. Now, fishing isn't always easy, is it? Just as I was joking with you a little bit about how poor I am at fishing, nonetheless, do consider the fact that I've never had to fish because I had run out of food. But in the life of a church, Keep in mind that people have many, many choices to go places on a Sunday morning, don't they? I mean, I, I know you've probably noticed there are a couple of other churches in the city of Waco, right? So people make choices, they get to decide. And oftentimes, sometimes people have very strong reasons as to why they go there or why they don't go there. I accept it, I respect it. But God, by and large, I believe, will send his people to places where the people know what to do with the gifts that are sent. Look at it this way. Every person in this church right now is a gift from God to Christ church this very moment. You are. And part of the deal for us as we are drawn into the church is that we share the gifts and talents that God has given us, and it's not about us. It's all about Him. And if we're lacking a particular gift or talent, all we do is pray about it, and guess what? God sends such a person. And I find when I'm blessed to be able to work with people who are so gifted, to realize that part of my task over the years was to find a place where they really could use their gifts. That's sometimes, the, sometimes a difficult task for the church, especially in little churches, is to be able to use all the gifts and the talents of the people who are sent. But God sends people to parishes for a purpose. And sometimes that isn't always easy because we live in a world that likes to do judgments. And we begin to judge, oh, I felt this way, didn't feel that way, oh, this, oh, that, all across the board. But you know something? The apostles were told that they weren't the ones who were going to be sorting the fish out, were they? All they were supposed to do is put down the net and pull in the net and share the fish. And that's the reason why this particular site at Tabgah is so extraordinarily important to me. Because as I look out at the Sea of Galilee, I look all around the perimeter of what is sometimes called Harp Lake. That's one of its names because of its shape. And to look over there and realize, oh yes, right over there, that's where Jesus walked on water. Oh, that's also where St. Peter started to sink because he began to be fearful and ask questions. And that Sea of Galilee, I guarantee you, dear friends in Christ, will teach you everything you need to know about your life because of the events that took place at the sea and what Jesus did with it. But I also want to leave you with a couple of other thoughts about the Sea of Galilee. I want to do a little bit of a trickle with you. So I have to take you up north and I take you up to Mount Hermon. And up on Mount Hermon, I want to show you all of the snow-capped areas up there. And I want you to watch as it melts and it comes down and it forms the head rivers of the Dan. And how the head rivers of the Dan then come south and they form the Jordan. And as they go from the Jordan, or as we say Jordan, into the Sea of Galilee. And it continues to go south until it becomes the Dead Sea. In many ways, that's what a Christian life can be like. We start out with massive enthusiasm up there, as excited as we can be and bubbly as we can be. And it goes down and it goes down and it goes down. And in life, we start picking up things along the way that make the movement incredibly difficult. But here's the difference, and it's the difference that St. Peter had to find out. If you have been hurt, if you've been troubled, and if you have had some difficulty, By and large, we are not capable of handling on our own. And the church is a community where we work it out. Because the church is not an institution. The church is the body of Christ. It is within the context of the body of Christ, just as you saw last week, with numerous confirmations, that we work out our lives, and when we fall, another lifts us up. That's the certainty you have in the body of Christ. If you are weak, somebody who is strong, another member of the fish net, will come along and swim with you and be with you. And so I hope what you will do at this point in history at Christ Church in Waco is look around you and thank God. Thank God that you have the people next to you, behind you, and in front of you who love you and care for you. That is the importance of being the church. You know, people can build a church, or they can even buy a church. But the issue of being a Christian is to be the church. And to be the church is to allow Jesus to tell us where to cast the net and do what we are told to do, and then let him take it from there. Alleluia, Christ is risen.